Well, here we are. Amen. Amen. It is a holiday weekend, and so as is uh, uh, usually the case, um, we have a lot of empty seats in the house today. But that's okay, because God has everyone in their appointed place this morning. Our place just happens to be right here together, so I'm glad to see you. Um, it's been an interesting morning. Gene and I uh, navigated the back roads of uh, the county to get here from uh, Splendora. Seems there's some big mess on the, on the freeway. But we made it. We're here, and we are going to uh, hear the Word of God regardless. Today it comes to us from Galatians chapter 6. Uh, it is in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Hear what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. Well, let's break this down a few verses at a time as we go through this passage in Galatians 6. Paul is telling us here that if somebody amongst us falls into sin, we need to be the ones that forgivingly restore them to wholeness. And when we do that, we need to save our critical comments about them for ourselves. Keep it to yourself. There's, there's nothing in this passage of Scripture that says, share it on Facebook so that everyone else can have a turn commenting on this person's misfortune. Paul says we need to be Forgiving to those who have fallen. Because it just might be one day you that needs the forgiveness. In fact, Paul says you might need the forgiveness by the time the day is done. So he says don't kick those folks while they're down. No, rather bend down, reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and in so doing, complete the law of Christ. And then he adds, if you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. And isn't that the way we are sometimes? How quick we are to be critical of those who fall short of our own expectations Never mind fall short of the glory of God, which every one of us does every day of our lives. See, as fallen humans, we have this natural tendency to kick a person when they're down, don't we? Paul's saying that we should resist that natural tendency. We should rather reach down and lift somebody up who has fallen short. Help them move through their difficulties and their circumstances so that they get safely to the other side of them. 
We never know when we might find ourselves to be the one on the ground looking up to others for a a kind word, a loving gesture, just to help us get back on our feet again. There, but for the grace of God, go I. See, all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. Now, it may not be your day to stumble, but it's coming. And we should remember the golden rule. When people fall short, instead of criticizing, we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us. I don't know how many times my mother said that to me growing up. The golden rule, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So then Paul continues in verse 4. He says, all must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Well, what is he saying here? He's saying that each of us needs to make a careful exploration of who we are and what work we have been given to do and then sink ourselves into that work. Now, don't be impressed with yourself as you do your work, but also don't compare yourselves and your work to other people. Each of us, Paul says, must take responsibility for doing our creative best with our own life and the work that we have been purposed to do. You know, I can't help but read that and think that we all should be spending some time from time to time in self-examination, in self-reflection. It reminds me of a passage out of 1 Corinthians 7 where Paul is talking, he's in a discussion about marriage. And while that's not the focus of my sermon today, I think it's... it's a reminder that the institution of marriage instituted by God is a place where it would behoove us to practice all the best practices of the Bible as we relate to our spouse and our family. We should be the very best we can be within our own household before we try to incorporate our church family and our community, we need to concentrate on being our best biblical selves within our own house. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, beginning at verse 17, however that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God called you. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, because circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But obeying the commandments of God is everything. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. 
Now, all this talk about circumcision, that was a big deal back in Paul's day. But he wasn't speaking solely about the, the act of circumcision. He was saying the rules that are man-made don't mean anything in comparison to the commandments of God, the ordinances of God. Those are everything. The man-made rules don't amount to anything in comparison. And he's saying no matter where you were when you were called into the Lord's service, that's where you need to be. He goes on in verse 21. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord. Just as whoever was free when called is now a slave to Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. In whatever condition you were called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. So I have heard it said that that whole passage can be boiled down to one sentence. Are you ready? Bloom where you are planted. Have you heard that before? Bloom where you're planted. In other words, wherever it is you are when God calls you, make the best out of your present situation to the honor and glory of God. Bloom where you're planted. Now in verse 6, he says, Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. I read that I don't know how many times And I kept thinking about my relationship when I was going through schooling, even seminary, with teachers and professors. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being in relationship with the ultimate teacher, Jesus Christ. He says, be very sure... You who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, meaning maturity in Christ, spiritual maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those that have trained you. Sharing all the good things that you have and experience. See, this is the relationship with the living Christ that Paul is talking about. Being careful not to be self-reliant, but rather be Christ-reliant. As we grow in His Word, as we increase in our Christ-likeness, as we grow into the full measure of the fullness of Christ, we have to be sure that we maintain our relationship with Him. How do we do that? Well, through prayer. We do it through fellowship with other believers. We do it through attending regular church worship. We do it through Bible study on Tuesday nights at 545 in the Fellowship Hall. We do it through Holy Communion, which we're going to do today. We do it through right living. And we do it through the sharing of all that He has taught us with others who need Jesus in their lives. 
That's a long list. What it's simply saying is, Paul is telling us, we need to maintain every day our relationship with Jesus. Once a week, Sunday attendance is great. What's the rest of your week like? Are you in daily communion, communication with Jesus? Do you, do you have two separate personalities? You're the church you and the every other day you? Or are they the same? You don't have to be sitting in a pew to be in relationship with Jesus. That's a personal thing. You can, you can drive down the road stuck in traffic on I-59 needing to be somewhere and have a conversation with Jesus. In fact, I do that a lot. Verse 7, Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. That's a great verse for today, isn't it? Paul's saying, No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, that's what that person will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of everyone else, ignoring what God's Word says, that person will harvest nothing but a crop of weeds. All they'll have to show for their life is weeds. But, Paul says, the one who plants in response to God letting God's Holy Spirit do the growth work in them, that person harvests a crop of real and eternal life. So you can be on one side of an issue or another, but we need to be careful as we're taking a stand on one side of an issue or another as to where is it God's Word says we should stand as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, that's what matters, isn't it? It's not my opinion or your opinion. It's what is God's opinion? Align yourself with that and you will be of the mind of Christ and on the right side of every issue. It's important that we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit of God. And so in verse 9, Paul says, So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we don't give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Doesn't that make sense? That we should prioritize the good things that we do in the kingdom. We should prioritize them for the family of faith. Why? Because it edifies, it lifts up the body so that we can be prepared to do good works in the community. Those who are outside the faith. Those who need Jesus. Doesn't do any good for a weak force spiritually to go out into a community wrought with wickedness and try to be a force for God. 
No, we need a strong force. Strong spiritually. Strong righteously to go out into the community and be an example and a force for Christ. That's why we need to pay attention to one another and to make sure we have everyone in the church family within our ability to touch them spiritually, to reach out to them. You do that with family, don't you? Keep in touch for the most part. God's saying that that's what you are supposed to do. Your priority is to take care of one another. And then finally, Paul says, See what large letters I make when I'm writing in my own hand. Reminds me of the Declaration of Independence. When the signers were signing it. And John Hancock wrote his name, his signature in big letters so that everyone could read it and see it. It's essentially the spirit in which this is written. See what large letters I make when I'm writing in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted from the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. See, Paul is saying, I want to emphasize in the bold scrawls of my personal handwriting just how important these things that I have just written you are. Because, he says, there are people who are attempting to force their agenda, what he calls the ways of circumcision. They're attempting to force that on you, and they have only one motive. They want to look good before people. They don't have the interest of what the righteous Word of God says. They just want to look good to everyone else. And so they'll push their agenda thinking, this is the way for me to stand out. Instead, we should not be looking to stand out among people. We should be looking to humble ourselves before God. See, they want an easy way. They lack the courage to live by faith. They lack the courage to share in Christ's suffering. And all their talk about their way is, Paul says, nothing but gas. It's smoke and mirrors. It's mist and vapors. It has no substance in the law of God. It only has substance in their own thinking. And they want you to get on board and tell them just how great they are. Well, that's not what we're called to do, is it? Paul says those folks are highly selective in the laws that they observe. They're highly selective in the Scripture that they observe. 
They only want you to follow their agenda so that they can boast of their success in recruiting you to their side. Paul says that is contemptible. And so he closes, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation, that is everything. And for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. I had to think about that last sentence, specifically the part that says, upon the Israel of God. See, normally we think of the Israel of God as being the Jews, God's chosen people, correct? That's what we think of when we think of Israel. That's not what Paul's saying. He says, I boast about nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. And because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world. I've been set free from that oppressive atmosphere of pleasing other people and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. He says, that's not the central issue. It's not what you and I do, Paul says. It's what God is doing. And He's creating something totally new. What's He creating? He's creating freedom. A totally free life. Isn't that what this whole July 4th Independence Day weekend is about? Freedom? Right? Paul says all who walk by this standard of freedom... They are the true Israel of God, His chosen people. Peace and mercy be upon them. See, it's not whether you were born Jewish that makes you part of the people of Israel. I I guarantee you there are some folks who were born Jewish who are not part of the kingdom of Israel, God's chosen people. Why? because they haven't chosen Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. See, Gentiles, that's us, have been grafted into the family of God because of Jesus Christ. You don't have to have been born Jewish to be one of the children of God. Everybody knows that, right? So this weekend where we celebrate our nation's independence from tyranny, it's a hard-fought battle for liberty and freedom. So let's remember this weekend as we're firing up the barbecue grill and families coming in or maybe we're out traveling uh, celebrating this freedom that we have as a nation. Remember that freedom always comes with a price. A price paid for with the blood of the righteous. Our freedom as the people of God comes with a price paid for in the blood of the author of righteousness himself, Jesus Christ. 
In Him alone is there life and liberty and freedom. There's no other way to get it. No other way to get freedom but through Christ. What does that mean for us? It means it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. There's no one sitting in the Oval Office that can take away your freedom in Christ. There's no one sitting in those chairs in the lofty halls of the Capitol building in Congress or the Senate that can take away your freedom in Christ. They don't have the ability to take away your freedom in Christ. Everybody says, oh, well, things went to hell because we took prayer out of the school. No, they didn't take prayer out of the school because nobody can stop you in the privacy of your relationship with Jesus Christ. No one can stop you from praying. It can't be done. Now, they can make all the rules and whatnot that they want to, and, and yeah, we, they probably shouldn't. And we could probably advocate that they don't, that they change that rule, but nobody can stop you from praying. Nobody can stop you from praying. Teach your grandchildren and your children, nobody can stop you from praying to the one true God who hears and knows your circumstance and will reward you because of your righteous position. No matter what the government, what the school district, what anyone says. Our freedom as the people of God was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. In Him alone is life and liberty and freedom. There is no other source. And as long as we maintain that in our hearts and profess it with our mouths, we are free in Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hymn is